Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible An Exposition with Practical Observations of The Book of Psalms Psalm 119.8 Cheth Psalm 119 verse 57 We may hence gather the character of a godly man. 1. He makes the favor of God his felicity, Thou art my portion, O Lord. Others place their happiness in the wealth and honors of this world. Their portion is in this life, they look no further, they desire no more, these are their good things, Luke 16 verse 25. But all that are sanctified take the Lord for the portion of their inheritance, and their cup, and nothing less will satisfy them. David can appeal to God in this matter, Lord, thou knowest that I have chosen thee for my portion, and depend upon thee to make me happy. 2. He makes the law of God his rule, I have said that I would keep thy words, and what I have said by thy grace I will do, and will abide by it to the end. Note, those that take God for their portion must take him for their prince, and swear allegiance to him, and, having promised to keep his word, we must often put ourselves in mind of our promise, Psalm 39 verse 1. Psalm 119 verse 58. David, having in the foregoing verse reflected upon his covenants with God, here reflects upon his prayers to God, and renews his petition. Observe. 1. What he prayed for. Having taken God for his portion, he entreated his favor, as one that knew he had forfeited it, was unworthy of it, and yet undone without it, but forever happy if he could obtain it. We cannot demand God's favor as a debt, but must, must be humble suppliants for it, that God will not only be reconciled to us, but accept us and smile upon us. He prays, Be merciful to me, in the forgiveness of what I have done amiss, and in giving me grace to do better for the future. 2. How he prayed with his whole heart, as one that knew how to value the blessing he prayed for. The gracious soul is entirely set upon the favor of God, and is therefore importunate for it. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. 3. What he pleaded the promise of God, be merciful to me, according to thy word. I desire the mercy promised, and depend upon the promise for it. Those that are governed by the precepts of the word and are resolved to keep them, verse 57, may plead the promises of the word and take the comfort of them. Psalm 119 verse 59 and 60. David had said he would keep God's word, verse 57, and it was well said, now here he tells us how and in what method he pursued that resolution. 1. He thought on his ways. He thought beforehand what he should do, pondering the path of his feet, Proverbs 4 verse 26, that he might walk surely, and not at all adventures. He thought after what he had done, reflected upon his life past, and recollected the paths he had walked in and the steps he had taken. The word signifies a fixed abiding thought. Some make it an allusion to those who work embroidery, who are very exact and careful to cover the least flaw, or to those who cast up their accounts, who reckon with themselves, what do I owe? What am I worth? I thought not on my wealth, as the covetous man, Psalm 49 verse 11, but on my ways, not on what I have, but what I do, for what we do will follow us into another world when what we have must be left behind. Many are critical enough in their remark remarks upon other people's ways who never think of their own, but let every man prove his own work. 2. He turned his feet to God's testimonies. He determined to make the word of God his rule, and to walk by that rule. He turned from the bypaths to which he had turned aside, and returned to God's testimonies.
he turned not only his eye to them, but his feet, his affections to the love of God's word and his conversation to the practice of it. The bent and inclinations of his soul were towards God's testimonies and his conversation was governed by them penitent reflections must produce pious resolutions. 3. He did this immediately and without demur, verse 60 I made haste and delayed not. When we are under convictions of sin we must strike while the iron is hot, and not think to defer the prosecution of them, as Felix did, to a more convenient season. When we are called to duty we must lose no time, but set about it today, while it is called today. Now this account which David here gives of himself may refer either to his constant practice every day, he reflected on his ways at night, directed his feet to God's testimonies in the morning, and what his hand found to do that was good he did it without delay or it may refer to his first acquaintance with God and religion, when he began to throw off the vanity of childhood and youth, and to remember his Creator, that blessed change was, by the grace of God, thus wrought. Note. 1. Conversion begins in serious consideration, Ezekiel 18 verse 28, Luke 15 verse 17. 2. Consideration must end in a sound conversion. To what purpose have we thought on our ways if we do not turn our feet with all speed to God's testimonies? Psalm 119 verse 61 Here is 1. The malice of David's enemies against him. They were wicked men who hated him for his godliness. There were bands or troops of them confederate against him. They did him all the mischief they could, they robbed him, having endeavored to take away his good name. Verse 51 They set upon upon his goods, and spoiled him of them, either by plunder in time of war or by fines and confiscations under color of law. Saul, it is likely, seized his effects, Absalom his palace, and the Amalekites rifled Ziklag. Worldly wealth is what we may be robbed of. David, though a man of war, could not keep his own. Thieves break through and steal. 2. The testimony of David's conscience for him that he had held fast his religion when he was stripped of everything else, as Job did when the bands of the Chaldeans and Sabaeans had robbed him, but I have not forgotten thy law. No care nor grief should drive God's word out of our minds, or hinder our comfortable relish of it and converse with it. Nor must we ever think the worse of the ways of God for any trouble we meet with in those ways, nor fear being losers by our religion at last, however we may be losers for it now. Psalm 119 verse 62. Though David is, in this psalm, much in prayer, yet he did not neglect the duty of thanksgiving, for those that pray much will have much to give thanks for. C. 1. How much God's hand was eyed in his thanksgivings. He does not say, I will give thanks because of thy favors to me, which I have the comfort of, but because of thy righteous judgments, all the disposals of thy providence in wisdom and equity, which thou hast the glory of. We must give thanks for the asserting of God's honor and the accomplishing of his word in all he does in the government of the world. 2. How much David's heart was set upon his thanksgivings. He would rise at midnight to give thanks to God. Great and good thoughts kept him awake and refreshed him instead of sleep, and so zealous was he for the honor of God that when others were in their beds he was upon his knees at his devotions. He did not affect to be seen of men in it, but gave thanks in secret, where our Heavenly Father sees. He had praised God in the courts of the Lord's house, and yet he will do it in his bedchamber. Public worship will not excuse us from secret worship. 
When David found his heart affected with God's judgments, he immediately offered up those affections to God in actual adorations, not deferring, lest they should cool. Yet observe his reverence, he did not lie still and give thanks, but rose out of his bed, perhaps in the cold and in the dark, to do it the more solemnly. And see what a good husband he was of time, when he could not lie and sleep, he would rise and pray. Psalm 119 verse 63 David had often expressed the great love he had to God, here he expresses the great love he had to the people of God, and observe. 1. Why he loved them, not so much, because they were his best friends, most firm to his interest, and most forward to serve him, but because they were such as feared God and kept his precepts, and so did him honor, and helped to support his kingdom among men. Our love to the saints is then sincere when we love them for the sake of what we see of God in them, and the service they do to him. 2. How he showed his love to them, he was a companion of them. He had not only a spiritual communion with them in the same faith and hope, but he joined with them in holy ordinances in the courts of the Lord, where rich and poor, prince and peasant, meet together. He sympathized with them in their joys and sorrows, Hebrews 10 verse 33, he conversed familiarly with them, communicated his experiences to them, and consulted theirs. He not only took such to be his companions as did fear God, but he vouchsafed himself to be a companion with all, with any, that did so, wherever he met with them. Though he was a king, he would associate with the poorest of his subjects that feared God, Psalm 15 verse 4, James 2 verse 1. Psalm 119 verse 64. Here. 1. David pleads that God is good to all the creatures according to their necessities and capacities, as the heaven is full of God's glory, so the earth is full of his mercy, full of the instances of his pity and bounty. Not only the land of Canaan, where God is known and worshipped, but the whole earth, in many parts of which he has no homage paid him, is full of his mercy. Not only the children of men upon the earth, but even the inferior creatures, taste of God's goodness. His tender mercies are over all his works. 2. He therefore prays that God would be good to him according to his necessity and capacity, teach me thy statutes. Thou feedest the young ravens that cry, with food proper for them, and wilt thou not feed me with spiritual food, the bread of life, which my soul needs and craves, and cannot subsist without? The earth is full of thy mercy, and is not heaven too? Wilt thou not then give me spiritual blessings in heavenly places? A gracious heart will fetch an argument from anything to enforce a petition for divine teaching. Surely he that will not let his birds be unfed will not let his children be untaught.